Welcome to the service of worship this morning, friends. It's lovely to be back with you after being on a bit of a holiday. We went out, uh, out west on a road trip through to Longreach and Winton and had an amazing time. It was really good. Some beautiful country out there and uh, friendly people. It was just amazing to see and learn a little bit more about the history of Australia. I found that they don't sell any uh, razor blades in the outback, but I uh, might be gone by the next time you see me. Friends, it's, uh, it's great to worship, and uh, as we do that, I just want to also thank uh, Reverend Ray Nutley for standing in for me while we were away on holiday. It is a real blessing to have Ray and Helen serving in this church, and uh, we certainly enjoyed the services out, uh, out on the road. So thank you, Ray, for your ministry to us and for your faithfulness in serving God. Friends, if you are joining with us for the first time, it's great to have you with us. Please hit the like button or the or comment and uh, one of the reaction buttons. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to interact with you. Part of the reason we do the live stream is for that very purpose. So drop in a question, drop in a comment. We'll get to those, if not today, then certainly through the week. And uh, do tell us where you're watching from. It's great every week for, for people to see who's watching and where they're watching from. And even if you're watching this recorded, if you're not watching it live, or if you're listening to the podcasts, those facilities are there for you to interact and to comment, and we would love that. We thoroughly enjoy uh, the sense of connectedness uh, where people can actually engage with us around the sermon topic. And so may the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Let us pray. <clears throat> Almighty God, with hearts that are full of joy, with lives that seek to live for you and to praise you, we come before you this morning. We thank you for the beauty of what you have created, for the world that we live in, for the people that we know, for the lives that we share and the friendships that we enjoy. We thank you, Lord, for the wonder of being able to serve you, of being called to be part of, of building your kingdom, of living lives that, that praise you and worship you, of lives that seek to bring you glory in everything. We thank you, Lord, for the encouragement that you bring, for the presence of your Spirit that guides us through those difficult moments, for moments, Lord God, where we are conscious of you leading and speaking and, and showing us the way. We praise you, Lord, that, that there have been times when, when we've come out with things to say or, or had ideas or thoughts which we know haven't been our own. But you remain faithful, always interacting, always connected. Regardless of how often we forget you, you never forget us. And for this we give you thanks and praise. We praise you, Lord, for the depth of your love that brought Christ into this world and that he gave his life on the cross, bringing us into a personal relationship with you. A relationship, Lord, where forgiveness has been signed and sealed and delivered 2,000 years ago. And we embrace that grace today. We receive the forgiveness. We rejoice in the love. And we thank you, Jesus, for your presence, seated at the right hand of the Father. 
Lord God, may this time of, of, uh, of service where we listen to your voice be a time in which we hear you clearly speaking, a time in which you are glorified, and a time in which you inspire our lives to, to bring you glory through the week with the people that we interact with. May this time, Lord, be something that fills us up with the sense of your Spirit, uh, with the sense of your Spirit hovering in our lives. May we come away from this hour knowing, Lord, that you are God of all of this world, of everything in it, and particularly of each of our lives. May your name be praised. We pray these things in and through the precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who taught us when we pray to say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Friends, a very important notice is that next week we have a very special service happening. We are gathering all together at Baldwin Swamp at the Shelter Shed. I think that's the Steindl Street uh, entrance. And uh, the service will, will be from 9.30, but we would really ask you to be there from 9.15 because we're going to live stream the service for those who are not able to come um, or who would prefer not to come. And uh, the service will still be live streamed at 9.30, but in order to avoid people coming in and out during that live stream, come early. Come at about quarter past nine. Uh, we'll be gathering together. We'll have all the, safe, uh, all the COVID safe processes in place, but this is a, a worship service where we'll be together for the first time in, in quite a while, and it'll be fantastic to be able to share with one another and connect with one another in worship. Bring, your, uh, bring a chair, bring some morning tea for afterwards, and uh, there'll be just a lovely time of fellowship as, uh, as we connect with one another at Baldwin Swamp next week. So 9.15, if, uh, if you can possibly make it at that time, that would be great. 9.15, and the usual live stream will still go out at 9.30. But we would love to see you in person down at Baldwin Swamp. We're going to be focusing for the next few weeks on Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Philippians, and uh, we're starting at chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, 
And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your, lover may, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you might be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Part of our worship each Sunday is the giving of our offerings uh, in, in adoration and worship to God. It is a way in which we are able to bless God uh, physically with gifts that we can give. I thank you for the faithful giving that is taking place, people who have uh, committed to online giving, and uh, that has been a real blessing to the church, and we thank you for your faithfulness in that, as well as the many who continue to bring their offering into the office during the week. Thank you for your faithfulness. If you would like to give, you can uh, make use of those avenues, and all the details are on the website, and they're also in the comment section below the sermon, if you would prefer to do online giving. Shall we uh, bring those gifts before God in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to bless you with the gifts that we can give. We thank you, Lord God, that all we have is from you. And what we offer to you, Lord, is an offering of worship. It's never simply what's left over in the wallet. It is, it is an offering of love, an offering in which we, we recognize that we are giving a gift to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so we pray and ask that you would receive them from the grateful hearts that give them, that you would bless them, and that you would use them to further the work of this church and this community. We pray that you would take the gift together with the greater gift of ourselves, and that we too, Lord, would be used to build your kingdom through the work of this church. We commit those gifts to you. We do pray, Lord, for the community that we serve. We pray for those within the church, who are suffering through illness, who are undergoing treatment, who are facing bereavement, those for whom uh, the coming season of Christmas will be difficult because it will be one without a special loved one. We pray for those of our community whom we serve, the wider community of Bundaberg. We pray, Lord, for your witness to be known, for your name to be held high in this place. We pray for our state, Queensland, for the elections that are coming up, for the leaders who are standing uh, for election. We pray, Lord God, for your hand to be over them. We pray, Lord God, for your will to be done. We pray, Lord, for our country and for those who still uh, suffer and are struggling through the coronavirus pandemic. We thank you for, uh, for the great results we've had in Queensland, and we pray, Lord, that that would be echoed across the nation. We pray, Lord, for the rest of the world, particularly those places who suffer and whose numbers are on the increase. 
Lord God, would you be with the medical community, the doctors and the nurses who, who put their lives on the line each day, as well as those who are working on the vaccine. We pray, Lord, for our own prayer requests, those things that are relevant just to us, those things that we struggle with, or situations that we face, or relationships that we worry about, people that we love who concern us. We lift them before you. We lift ourselves before you, thanking you that you're a God who cares and a God who knows. And now we pray, Lord, that the words spoken would minister to each of us, that they may touch our hearts, that we may know the power of the Holy Spirit speaking through what is said, and that we may hear your voice ministering to us with a message that we find relevant. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen. Most Christians know that the Bible is not a book. It's a collection of books, a library of sorts. But what we often forget, though, is that even though it's a collection of what we call books, all of the Old, book, Old Testament books and the New Testament books, they all actually are forms, different forms of writing and of literature. Some are stories, some are imagery, some are oral traditions, passed down, some are historical accounts, some are poetry, some are prophetic, some are instruction. But one of the most beautiful, in fact, is not any of those. It's not even a book. It's a letter. A letter written to a church to bring the writer and the reader closer together. It's a letter that expresses thankfulness and joy. It's a letter that at its very heart seeks to encourage the reader's in their faith. And it's a letter that reflects the heart of Jesus. Paul's letter to the Philippians is one of the most beautiful portions of the Bible. If you have the time, I would encourage you this week just to, to read it in one sitting. Read it as you would read a letter from anyone else. Read it from start to finish. It has some of the most memorable verses in all of Scripture. So much so that, that you'll often find them printed on a mug or on a bookmark or on a magnet at one of the Christian bookstores. But far more important than just a, a marketable verse or two is the fact that the letter to the Philippians offers us encouragement in our faith journey. It is a letter of encouragement. It is a letter of joy. It offers us strength. It offers us a sense of purpose. It offers us a picture of what life in Christ is meant to be. I first really began to take note of Paul's letter to the Philippians when I was doing my, my honors degree. I mean, I'd obviously studied it in, in biblical studies in college, but it came to mean something more to me in those later studies. Our professor was an amazing man uh, with an incredible knowledge of theological topics and an astonishing ability to apply Scripture to life in the most amazing way. He was exceptionally clever, and as you would expect that from a professor, but he had probably forgotten more than I'll uh, ever know. And we were in this lecture one day, and he quoted from Paul's letter to the Philippians. And he, he prefixed it by saying, as it says in the most beautiful book 
in the Bible. I later learned that he could recite the letter to the Philippians off by heart in three different languages, one of which was Greek. It was at that point that I remember thinking to myself, I had better go back and restudy this letter and give it some more detailed attention if that's how this professor describes it, if that is the value or the weight that he puts onto it. Philippians quickly became a favorite of mine. And although I can't recite it in Greek or in English for that matter, it is a beautiful part of the Bible. And the richness of it came back to me again uh, over this holiday period. You see, usually when I go on holiday, I take some new books with me. I don't know why. I always think to myself that I'm going to have hours and hours of time to read all these books that have been gathering up on my shelves over the year. And so when I go away, I always take a Christian book, and I take a fictional book, and I'll take a humorous book, and uh, I'll take a couple of Asterix adventures, and, and usually a devotional book that's different to the one I'm using. In my head, there's just going to be ages of sitting around doing nothing, changing from book to book as I read without any care in the world. Of course, holidays don't actually work that way. And when you get on holiday, there's far more interesting things to do than simply read a book that you could frankly read any time of the year. So I often don't touch any of them except maybe the devotional one occasionally. Now this holiday was no different. It started out the same way. I took about four books on a scenic 3,000-kilometer road trip where once again I didn't read any of them. But there was a little bit of a difference, though. This time, instead of taking uh, a different devotional book, I decided not to take any devotional book. And instead, I would simply focus on Scripture and let it speak to me. We were hardly on the way when the letter, of, uh, when the letter to the Philippians was swirling around in my head. We were going to spend some time with this letter as a church. We are heading in towards uh, the Advent period. And in fact, each lectionary year, Philippians is often used as an Advent reading because it speaks so clearly of the life we can have because Jesus came to earth. It's a letter in which we discover something of God's plan for beauty and richness in our lives. As in the writings, we see Paul uh, seeing the Philippians with the eyes of God. And Paul praying for them and longing to be with them and longing for them to, to grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ. So we're going to have a look at Philippians and, and uh, study some of its passages as we journey towards Advent. And as we go through this book, we will not forget that it is a letter, a letter from Paul to a church long ago. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will hear God speaking to us about how we can grow into the likeness of Jesus. We will hear his encouragement. We will find the depth of his love, and we will discover again the beauty and privilege of his purpose for each one of us. A little while back when, as a church, we studied the missionary journeys of Paul uh, with Adam Hamilton, we saw that Philippians was written by Paul uh, from Rome while he was under house arrest or possibly even in jail. He desperately wanted to get back to the Philippians. It had probably been about 12 years since he had been there. 
And he wanted to see them again. He wanted to thank them. He wanted to encourage them. He wanted to connect with them. And so you see this letter, and a little bit different to some of Paul's other letters. This is a a letter that is kind and friendly. It isn't addressing a a theological issue. It's not a, a theological exposition. It is gracious and reflective of God's Spirit. It sets the tone uh, for the Philippians to live faithful lives. And for you and me today, it tells us three things. It tells us, firstly, of a moment of encouragement. It gives us a moment of encouragement. Right in the beginning, Paul starts off not by elevating himself above them. He doesn't say, I'm St. Paul, the great evangelist, writing to the servants or the congregation down there at, at Philippi. Instead, he writes, Paul and Timothy, just Paul, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus, writing to the saints at Philippi. He begins with with this encouragement and then goes on to say that he thanks God every time that he thinks of them. How beautiful is that? He thanks God every time that he thinks of them. We live in a world where, where people get broken down far more than they get built up, where people get hurt more than they get affirmed. How encouraging is it to have someone who thanks God every time that they think of you. When I read this again recently, I was thinking to myself, what a challenge this is, to live your life in such a way that people are thankful to God when they think about you. And it is a challenge. But more than that, when you read it in conjunction with the rest of the chapter, Paul isn't actually issuing a challenge in that first paragraph of the letter. He's offering a moment of encouragement, and he goes on to say that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. In other words, I thank God every time I think of you because I know that God is faithfully working in you, bringing about His purpose in your life. No matter what you think is going on, no matter what you feel, no matter the difficulties you are facing, no matter how many times you've been knocked down, pushed down, broken down, I thank God for you. Because He is working out His purpose in your life. And He will complete it. How wonderful to receive a letter that starts like that. Letter writing is a bit of a dying art these days. It's been overtaken by emails that start and end not with dear Stuart and and love whoever. Now they just say, hey Stuart, and regards whoever. These days, if you're lucky, you get a, I hope you're well at the start of the email, which is really a new code for, please tell me if you've caught COVID so I can avoid you at all costs. But as I said, through God's Holy Spirit, this is a letter that is not just for the Philippians, but reveals God's heart to each one of us. And when we read this letter, we hear God saying, I am so thankful for your life. You can be sure that what I have begun to do in you, I will complete. There is such a need for encouragement and affirmation in this world. The other day I saw somebody who put on a Facebook status that said, Tell me why you like me. Tell me why you like me. 
And so I wrote, because you're not very needy. No, I'm kidding. I didn't actually, I didn't actually write anything. But I did read some of the comments, and they were very kind, and they were very encouraging. And that's obviously what the person really needed at that time. But it did make me think about the need for encouragement at this world. And someone would even need to put that on there. At this time when things seem to be so difficult and life seems to have changed so much and the way we do things has become so different, here is a letter in which we're told, without us having to ask for it, we're told that we are loved. We're told that we are special. We are told that God is at work within us. We are told that He has a purpose for us and that He will complete that work within us no matter what we feel at the moment. As I say, we don't live in a very affirming world, but we do serve a very affirming God who tells us what He is doing with our lives, He will continue to do with our lives, and will bring His plan and purpose for us to fruition. The second thing about this letter is that it is a reminder of God's love and joy. The Philippian church began with a bit of a miracle which led to great rejoicing. There was Paul and Silas. They had met up with Lydia and some of the other ladies and had begun preaching the gospel to them. But then they were followed around by a woman the Bible describes as a demon-possessed slave. And she was used by her masters to make money by doing fortune-telling. And Paul cast out the demon from her and her owners were so upset that, that uh, she had lost her powers and this avenue of financial revenue had gone. So they had Paul and Silas flogged and thrown into jail. Paul and Silas sat in jail. They rejoiced. They sang hymns. And when an earthquake came and broke down, uh, broke down their, their bonds, their ties, the locks of the door, they were free to escape. But they didn't. Instead, when the guard came back and found the jail door open and thought that he had better commit suicide because of having forsaken his duty, fearing all the prisoners were gone, Paul and Silas call out to him and stop him, and they save him. And in turn, he was led to Christ and is baptized along with his whole family, and we're told that there was great rejoicing. Paul states right up front in this letter, that his prayer is that the love and the joy that they have in God will be growing in increasing measure with them, within them. May the love and joy be growing in increasing measure within you. The actual Greek word for that is, uh, you could translate it directly as, as overflow or overflowing. This is a moment in which we are reminded that at the very heart of a life in Christ is the sense of living with the love and joy of God overflowing from our lives, overflowing out of our lives. Maybe it's more accurate to say overflowing into our lives. You know, we went away on this holiday. It was a road trip out west, and uh, we hired a motorhome to do it. We went with the darts, and they hired a motorhome, and it was great to do the trip with friends. Our motorhome slept six people. But for some inexplicable reason, it only had four seatbelts. So it was designed to sleep six people, but only transport four. 
Now, whether or not the designers of this motorhome expected two people to hitchhike to each destination, or maybe they thought you would uh, pick up two sleeping companions in each place, I don't know. But luckily for us, the Darts uh, had a spare seat in their motorhome. So our family members each took turns riding with them. Miraculously, even after they had traveled with each of our kids for extended periods of time, we're still friends, which is good. But it wasn't just the kids. Debs also took a couple of turns. And on the two days when Debbie was not with me in the, in the motorhome, in the vehicle, each of our kids took a turn sitting in the front with me. They got to choose the music, and, uh, and we were just able to chat. The, we chatted about everything and about nothing, and it was amazing with each of the different kids how different those conversations uh, were. While I was sitting with the one in the front, the other two were obviously sitting in the back, and there was a bit of distance, so, um, you know, they were reading or playing on their phones or, or whatever. But what it meant was I got to spend uh, a couple of hours with each child, just the two of us. Now, we don't do enough of that. Usually when we spend time together, we're, we're either all together or we're doing something or there's a deadline or there's something to do or there's somewhere to be. But just having hours with, with traveling, with no agenda, hours kind of filled with nothingness, just to be together was, was really special. And, uh, and I absolutely loved it. And I hope that they did too. In fact, I enjoyed it so much that I told Debbie she didn't have to come back. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. The darts wouldn't have had her anyway. But having read this passage, it did make me think about this, uh, this kind of spending time and the sense of, of, of love and connectedness that I felt with each kid during those, those exclusive one-on-one -on -one hours that I spent in that vehicle. It made me think about that sense of love that is overflowing. And it made me wonder if that isn't how God experiences time of connectedness with us. Where God experiences the sense of just, just loving being together. Just loving spending time with no, no agenda to, to get through. No, no to-do list that we've got to let Him know about. No rush to, to meet up somewhere or, or fulfill some kind of an obligation. Just a sense of togetherness. Just a sense of being in His presence. Just a sense of knowing God sitting beside us and talking about everything and about nothing. Or maybe not even talking at all. Just being together. And as much as I felt in those moments that, that, that I was able to pour love into their lives and they were able to pour love into mine, uh, and, and I got out of the car each time feeling with this great sense of joy, I think that's how God feels with us and, and what Paul's talking about when he says, may the love and joy of God be filled to overflowing within your life. May you know the joy of just being together. May you know the wonder of that sense of, of connectedness. At the very core of life with Christ is an inner joy. It's a sense of, of, of knowing that we are loved because of just who we are. Not what we can do, not what we're worth, 
just who you are. And knowing that we are precious and valued and treasured because of who we are. Not because of what we can say. We gain joy from knowing whose we are. And our lives, the heart of a, of a Christian life, is meant to be that we are overflowing with the love and the joy of a God who says, despite whatever external circumstances may be going on, despite whatever roads this journey is taking on, despite what you may be going through, I am pouring my love into you. I am overflowing your life with joy because you are my treasure. Sometimes it's easy to forget that. Sometimes it's easier to focus on what's going wrong or what needs to be done. We need to take time to, to read this letter and to know that God's desire for our lives is to be filled to overflowing with His love and with His joy. And lastly, this letter reminds us that we are, we are called to a purpose. Paul writes in this letter that his prayer for the Philippians is that they would abound in in knowledge and discernment, and be filled with the fruit of righteousness to the glory and praise of God. Earlier he said, I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. The letter to the Philippians reminds us right at its very beginning, right in the introduction, that actually our lives have purpose and meaning beyond ourselves. That our life's purpose is to, to grow in knowledge and to partner with the gospel so that God's name may be glorified, that our lives may be lived in such a way that, that it brings to God glory and praise. Paul longs for the Philippians to grow into the likeness of Christ, and he tells them in no uncertain terms that this is actually meant to be the goal, the glory and the praise of God, the likeness of Christ, the focus of our life is about more than ourselves. It's about the glory of God. I began by saying that this is a letter, not a book. And although written to the Philippians, it speaks clearly to us as it reveals God's heart and God's desire for us. How beautiful to hear God speaking and bringing to us this morning a moment of encouragement, a reminder of His love and joy, and a calling again to fulfill His purpose. I pray that as we journey through this letter over the next few weeks, we'd be continually challenged to see ourselves as the person that Jesus sees and to be the person that God created us to be. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, we read this letter and even in the first 11 verses, we are struck by its beauty by the encouragement, by the love, by the reminder of our purpose in this world. Lord, we know that there have been moments for us where we really need that encouragement. We may be in one of those moments right now. A moment, Lord, where things are not going like we want them to go. Or we're facing things that we'd rather not face. A moment, Lord, where we realize we've drifted from your purpose. Or a moment, Lord, where we just need to know that you love us for who we are. 
We pray today, Lord, that this letter, we would read it as if written to each of us, that we would hear your encouragement, be reminded of your love, and know that we are called to your purpose. May your name be glorified through our lives, we pray. We ask this through Jesus Christ, who loved us enough to die on the cross. Amen. Friends, may God bless you this week, and uh, I look forward to seeing you next week at Baldwin Swamp, quarter past nine. It would be great to see you there. If you can't make it to uh, Baldwin Swamp to the uh, um, Steindl Road entrance, uh, please then log on at 9.30 or, or on any of the channels <coughs> which, uh, which host our, our videos. Um, just to mention that there, there is parking right close up, so if, you, if you're not able to walk any distance, feel free to drive right up to the shelter shed, and uh, there'll be a couple of parks there uh, for those uh, who need the, uh, need the facilities right close by to be able to walk there. So see you next week, quarter past nine, at Baldwin Swamp. The Lord bless and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.